Welcome back to Me and the Geek, your weekly uh, peek into a different geek's life with me. I'm Joel Sharpton. You can find me on Twitter at The Rogue's Life. And each week we interview a different geek for a little uh, look into their area of the geeky world. We think that everyone is a geek here at MeAndTheGeekPod.com. And we want to help you find your geek. So that's what we're going to do. This week is our first regular weekly episode. Every Thursday you're going to get a new episode from Me and the Geek. We started with some pilot episodes about Spider-Man in the MCU, but we're going all over the place. This week, we're going to be talking about Saturday Night Live. Recently, the 40th anniversary special was on NBC, and in honor of that, in response to that, we wanted to talk about exactly what we thought of the show, and then also what we think of... This is the sound of a man who unexpectedly fell into cold water and instinctively is trying to swim hard. This is the sound of the cold water shock making him gasp uncontrollably and breathe in water until he drowns. Whereas this is the sound of a man who fell into cold water and knows how to survive. You have to fight your instinct to swim and just float until the cold water shock has passed and you can control your breathing. This is a safety message from the RNLI. Float to live. Visit respectthewater.com. Saturday Night Live right now in general. There was no one better to do that with me than Austin-based sketch and improv comedian Kyle Sweeney. He's been doing comedy since he was in high school, and you can see him every Wednesday night if you're in the Austin area. And so I thought uh, we'd talk to Kyle about Saturday Night Live and specifically the 40th anniversary special. So without further ado, this is me and the geek. Uh, we are discussing Saturday Night Live today, sir. That is the topic on on uh, the table. We are joined this week by Kyle Sweeney. Kyle, how do you feel being the inaugural guest on a regular weekly episode of Me and the Geek? I mean, uh, just like any SNL season premiere, you got to have someone big come out of the gate, and uh, I'm honored that you've chosen me to be your. Alec Baldwin or your Tom Hanks. Uh. The news of the day is that the 40th anniversary is upon us. They've been celebrating it all year. NBC has been borderline obnoxious in telling us about the 40th anniversary of Saturday Night Live, in fact. Uh, and uh, finally, last Sunday evening, you and I got to uh, sit back with the wife. Well, actually, that's not true for either of us. We had to watch it on DVR. But theoretically... One would in, get to enjoy this live Sunday night instead of Saturday night, uh, a gala. The romantic vision is that we sat there for all four hours, ingested all the commercials, and just felt the energy rumbling off yeah. it. What we, what we got was an hour of uh, red carpet coverage, and then we got three and a half hours of the show itself. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. What did we think about the show? We're going to sort of break down our favorite moments for you. And, and first of all, I guess we should say this. Uh, it did really, really well. 23.1 million viewers, and those were the early numbers. It, in fact, destroyed the All-Star game from the NBA that was taking place the same night. And overall, it was NBC's biggest audience for an entertainment program in primetime since May 13th, 2004. It was the episode of ER following the finale of Frasier. That was the last uh, episode of entertainment programming in the primetime slot that had a rating this high for NBC. So listen, I'm fully expecting the 41st 
anniversary of SNL, four-hour special, the 42nd anniversary. By the time we get to 45, it may be a full week, one hour in primetime every night like they used to cover the you know conventions for the political uh, parties. Like the last one they had was the 25th year anniversary. And I think there was a reason that they didn't <laughs> didn't immediately come back. But I think uh, obviously SNL has kind of had a lot of new blood since then. And uh, I think the byproduct of that has created quite a star-studded event. Here, here was my thing. And I think there were two schools of thought from the people that I saw responding online that night and then in the days after. There were people that thoroughly enjoyed it and got exactly what they were looking for out of an anniversary special. And then there were my, people my, that... My gut feeling is like most of the sketches weren't really that strong. It was very much catering towards the the uh, the SNL nerds and, and uh, the, the people who sort of know the history and who might be coming back for the first time in a couple of years, maybe a decade or two even. So they're catering to this super broad audience but there are definitely some standout moments that really sort of stick out that are like oh that's great ultimately kind of thinking of the whole thing i might have preferred just to watch the uh the highlights or some bloggers top five moments uh of those individual things on hulu uh rather than sit through the entire thing but i'm a completionist Sort of the criticism that you've already lobbed a little bit although maybe this is not your overall feeling of it but you said you know it, it was a lot of uh, sort of inside baseball, a lot of references for comedy heads, for SNL heads, and for people who maybe haven't been with the show recently, uh, as opposed to just trying to be funny and, and put, you know, live comedy on the air. A lot of it is is just sort of, let's cram a, another few celebrities in if we can. It's like, oh, let's, let's bring in these characters that uh, some of the current cast is doing so that they can be featured. And it's almost a little bit of a promotion for some of those guys. My thought was this many of the stars that we wanted to see paraded on the stage. What else were you going for Dan Aykroyd, for instance, let's be honest. What else were you going to have him do? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what you do with him. And he did a wonderful job at it. And it was very funny. And I loved seeing him play that role, do the announcer bit, you know, like it was, it was great. I love Jane Curtin at the desk with the girls. She killed it to me. Uh, and then, well, we're going to start breaking down the episode in general, but I mean, in specific, but in general, that was my thought. I enjoyed the way that they did it. And I thought if you wanted all of these people on the stage at once, this is sort of the best possible of all worlds you know absolutely and, and I, I like what you say like it is kind of a little inside baseball but to me like i'm their audience i'm the guy who's uh, read the book i've read uh, countless sort of interviews and sort of gossip about uh, behind the scenes of snl um i've seen each of these sort of like talking head documentaries of them reliving the history of each era from uh 75 to 80 the 80s 90s and then the current <laughs> sort of new millennium one. If anybody's going to be enjoying this, it's me. And I think largely the situation is kind of super difficult to sort of please everyone. I think they managed to please everyone at least once or twice throughout the course of the, uh, the event. For me, like I'd say like 80% of the stuff I'm like, this is great. But there's still like these elements of like, for example, the tributes that I'm like, gosh, ugh. This didn't go well. Ugh. 
And I don't know if there was any moment uh, specifically that, that stuck out to you as like the first that really caught you. But I, I'll tell you where I started taking notes. This is the moment where I, I stopped being a passive, passive observer and I sat up and I was like, okay, I'm into this now. They pulled out Celebrity Jeopardy. That was the first moment in the show that I was all in when I realized they were going to give me a new episode of, of Celebrity Jeopardy with Will Ferrell and with Norm MacDonald. Uh, and I knew he wasn't there at first, of course, but you knew he was coming. It was just a matter of time. So like when I saw that was a possibility, I got that. that that's when I immediately got excited. Uh, the, the other big thing to me uh, that came shortly thereafter, Jack Nicholson. As an introduce, uh, he introduced one of the or the pre-taped segments, the pre-edited segments. But I had not seen Nicholson in public, and of course, was it a year ago or so? The rumor was going around that he was retiring completely from acting because uh, he had dementia and it was it was too far gone. He, you know, he couldn't even remember just a few lines at a time. He couldn't handle it. I, anyway, I hadn't, I hadn't seen the guy. I didn't know what his health was like. I, I didn't know where he was. He comes out on the stage and not only does he look fantastic, but he nailed his little bit. And especially I, I remarked to my wife, I said, man, he killed it uh, in comparison to De Niro, who was the presenter before that. And to me had completely stumbled over his part. But Nicholson, he, he came out here and I think his segment was talking about how SNL, tackles politics and is on the quote-unquote cutting edge of of that satire and parody but like he was even if he was reading off cue cards he was doing so extremely well and uh, you know so much so that uh, he could have just been making it up as he, as he went along but especially kind of yeah having those sort of weird rumors of like uh yeah is he just like in a basically his mansion nursing home type situation and then it's like no he's fine and as good as ever <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it was sort of like the rumors made it sound like he was Reagan at the end, where, like, we've seen the last of the president, you know, and, and Nancy is uh, caring for him at home and we'll just be notified when he's passed away. If that, like, that was what you had heard about Jack. And I knew, like, even once those were refuted by his people, you were like, well... Okay, but I but he didn't but he didn't make a movie last year, you know, and I haven't seen him out and about. I don't think was he at the Oscars the last last season? I'm not sure. That's the image that I had in my head and he just blew me away. Again, like maybe that says more about SNL than it does about Jack Nicholson, but <clears throat> that was the second moment that that jumped out at me. Uh there were lots of moments like this though, Kyle. I'd completely forgotten about the bye-bye flight attendant. This is the number one character for me from David Spade. I loved 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 the bye-bye people. And it it had just been rewritten over in my mind hard drive, I guess. I I I had not thought about it in years and they showed it in a clip first of all and then they actually brought them out to end a terrible Californian sketch. It was yeah, it was definitely nice to see them uh them kind of bring back. Again, I wish they did more with David Spade and a little bit more of that. Uh I will, I'll go ahead and say my era of of SNL was kind of from the 90s up to the mid 2000s, like those that's sort of where I'm like, yeah, everything was going great here. It, it felt like they're you know, again, you want all your stuff to be serviced when watching a giant special like this, but it it you know, everybody's going to get a moment to shine here. And, and sadly, that was all we got from David Spade. But that uh, was still a real nice way to end 
a terrible sketch, even though you had Betty White and Bradley Cooper making out in it. Yeah, so the, exactly. There were moments, like the the third time, I guess, that they went back to the mirror, and, and now you've got like 12 people trying to get in the mirror all at once. That was pretty, like, that was so there were some chuckles there, but it just... Oh, God, as Louis C.K. said later in the show, they go on so long, Kyle. They just go on so long. Uh, So, But let's talk about some things other than the Californians that disappointed us. Here's a big one for me. Where was Cecily Strong? She should have been at the desk with Tina and with Amy and with Jane. But even if she wasn't, even if there's an argument, and okay, you say she was only there for one season and she didn't really want to keep the job. And I I understand that she's happy not having it. And that's fine. But she has to at least be in the montage showing every host, right? I think that might be more of a political thing. They want to really push the two guys they have doing it now. And I liked her at the desk uh, in whatever it was last season. But... Yeah, ultimately, it just felt a little strange, uh, uh, I think, maybe to have someone who blipped up at the weekend desk to sort of have a have a much longer opportunity uh, with three people who are more synonymous with, we're the women who've taken this desk and, and, and for, you know, five years or six years or whatever it has had been for each of them. That's my guess. And I understand that, but you got to put her in the montage. I, I And again, this is, I remarked to Kelly, she was, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Curtin never held the desk alone, did she? I feel like there might have been some time in between Aykroyd and Belushi going out and making some movies that she was the, she was the primary. Even if she wasn't doing it alone, she was on it with somebody She was the else. sole anchor or whatever. I, here's my thing. Like, Tina and Amy didn't hold it down by themselves. Like, I thought it was... A sort of a historic moment when she did, even though it was for a brief time, I feel like she did an admirable job. And to me in particular, I had never really noticed her before. And as Weekend Update does, it bubbles you up to sort of a different level of stardom. And it really, really bothered me that that's sort of been whitewashed in some fashion from uh, SNL's official history or something. Uh, but other than that, I loved the Weekend Update segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was good to see uh, Melissa McCarthy come out as Chris Farley's character, uh, the Down by the River guy, um, and smash through the desk there. That was uh, that was just a, sort of a sweet moment uh, of the, of the of celebrities performing their favorite SNL characters. Um, it was the one that really hit for me. <laughs> I I want to see an entire movie made about Edward Norton's Stefan. <laughs> Like, just make a Stefan movie and cast Edward Norton as him. This this will be amazing. The whole, like, the, he was so good. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, granted, they have made worse SNL sort of uh, spinoff movies from, from sketch characters before. Uh, I'd pay my uh, $10 to go see that. So what did you think of uh, Martin Short's uh, musical montage? I'm a big fan of him. I feel like he's such an underrated... Guy, I mean, that's weird to say because he's Mark Short, so he's kind of a a big deal. But he's like, <laughs> he's always seemed like behind somebody else or next to somebody. You're never like, oh, Martin Short's the guy I want to shake hands with. Um, well, I I thought it was interesting. He, he's he sits in this like strange place as like the one member of the like truly great SNL former cast 
that also has a complete willingness to do whatever it is that you would like to include him in in the show because he's not a, a an asshole or a jerk and he's not a uh, – you know, he's also not super busy. <laughs> right. Well, and like, yeah, he came on for the, the whatever, the five timers club bit um, where uh, Tom Hanks is hosting uh, for the fifth time. And so he gets to walk uh, walk into where Steve Martin and all the other uh, longtime hosts get to hang out with their smoking jackets on. And he plays one of the servers. <laughs> you're, you're not Martin Short, the, the, the big wig. You're, 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 you're the small guy. And that's great. So, uh, did you know ahead of time that Joe Piscopo's skeleton was going to show up for a bit as well? I did not. I did not. Uh, we literally, we paused the show, we got out our phones, and we Google imaged for a while until we confirmed for ourselves that that was Joe Piscopo playing uh, 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 Frank Sinatra. I knew that he had played him on the show. I thought to myself, that has to be him. Who else would it be? And yet, holy moly, he's another guy I hadn't seen in a while. Joe, and I know he was under makeup, but the, but the current photos of him unadorned, uh, he has not aged. Well. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, luckily, Frank Sinatra was also an old man. <laughs> That's very true, I suppose. That's very true. Uh, I, did, I did like, though, the, the uh, again, like finding a place sort of for everybody, you know? Right. And a, 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 like... Joe Piscopo, especially, is one of those I think that would have been easy enough to overlook. And it's the acknowledgments of moments like that that make me wish Cecily even more was in the montage. Give her five seconds, people. She needed one joke. That's all. You wouldn't have even had to give her a joke. Just give her the, I'm Cecily Strong, you know, welcome. It's Weekend Update or whatever that everybody else got. Oh, yeah. anyway. Okay, so uh, here's my next note. Bill Murray, the only thing to get bleeped, question mark? It turned out not to be true. Chris Rock ended up getting bleeped as well. Oh, I didn't notice he got bleeped. All I remember is him really singing uh, the, the Jaws love theme, and that was more than enough for me. <laughs> He's, I, I can't remember. I think he said, oh, he said uh, GD, uh, GD, and that got bleeped. Uh, Chris Rock got bleeped. I can't remember what the word was that he used, but it was somewhere in his introduction of, of – Eddie Murphy, which brings me to my next point. Let's talk about scale. And Saturday Night Live is a great location to really understand where you rank in the Hollywood pantheon. Uh, there is famous, and then there is famous right. with sparkly glitter thrown on it. All right. Chris Rock and Keith Richards both on the show, they could open any building in the world on their own. And their only job on this SNL special is to introduce someone else. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that, rem that reminds us all that Eddie Murphy and Paul McCartney are famous in a way that Kanye could only dream of. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and I wrote that line, by the way, before I realized that Kanye was going to be on this show. Uh, although <laughs> it still holds up because Chris, Chris Walken is pretty good, but the point remains. Rock and Richards are much bigger than Walken. Paul and Eddie, sure. both bigger than Kanye. Definitely. How did you how did you feel about Eddie Murphy coming out? I'm uh, I'm I'm I was kind of saddened by the whole event. Okay, so so two sets of reactions here. The first reaction, I agree with you 100. It it was over, and as it went to commercial, Kelly and I were like, "Well, that was disappointing." And I said, "You know, it's about the least he could have done, and not gotten flack for being a jerk and not showing up. He did his little thing." and was gracious in his Eddie Murphy way. Now, my second reaction is, we might have been lucky to even get this, 
did you see the um, Norm Macdonald t- tweets about the backstage antics? Uh, I did. I did. I-, I think antics is a strong word. I think it was more of a... Well, yeah, uh, not antics, maybe, but the, just the storyline of, of, of putting it all together. Mm-hmm. So he goes on a tweet storm the other day, and we'll have links for this in our show notes. So if you have not read this, you can pause the show, go down there and check it out. Uh, but... Um, he told the story of helping to write the show. He was one of the writers. He had plans for during the Jeopardy segment. The original plan was that Eddie Murphy was going to play Bill Cosby in the video Daily Double. Uh, that was eventually taken by uh, Keenan Thompson. Yeah. Yes, Keenan Thompson from the current cast, which is, it was great. And his Bill Cosby is quite good. He's played Bill several times on the show before. Like, it's fine. Eddie Murphy would have been a whole nother level on several for several different reasons. Eddie Murphy's impression of Cosby is is integral to I think the mainstream's impression of him. You know that's such a big part of Raw. That's it's like it's a huge part of that, and I think it's one of the reasons why he hit home with so many people. In addition to all the wonderful things that he was doing on SNL, sure. you know, in and around that time too. Norm Macdonald, if you don't know, if you don't want to take the time to go read the the article, the punchline is this: Eddie, in the last moments, I think even like the night before says no i'm not gonna do it and and the impression that norm gave is this is almost a quote from eddie he says it's not worth the laughs i'm not gonna kick a man when he's down i think part part of my read on that was you know he was kind of okay with the idea of of the cosby daily double that was recorded six months before all the allegations came out because it was like there's enough of a spin on that that's like well we're not necessarily saying Anything but it's I sort, sort of, of respect Eddie for that. And if he felt that way about it, and it was sort of last minute when he made the ultimate decision not to do it, and and before that he was sort of in general interested in actually being in a segment. I I, I agree. I think it's kind of a stand up thing to say like, you know what, I don't want to push it. I don't I don't want to kick a man while he's down. Totally cool customer. I completely agree. I'm surprised, or, or at least happy that it turned out he was on the show at all. If he felt uncomfortable about it and there wasn't really anything else pitched to him as far as what he could do on the show, it's very simple, I think, that for him to have just pulled out altogether. It was obvious that he was uncomfortable to be there in in some ways, and so I guess we're sort of lucky to have had him. But I think there's this other element about Eddie Murphy that people keep asking about when he's going to come back and start doing stand-up again, and there was even like a tribute show that Arsenio Hall was hosting for him and then he tried to hand the mic over and Eddie Murphy was like no 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 that I think there's an element of him not like now that he's become uber star like kind of not comfortable a maybe performing live uh and in front of an audience and beyond that an audience of 300 very big names uh in in comedy and everything else like it it seems like a difficult situation to win on top of that you have Chris Rock who's just done a, a killer job setting you up for a hello. <laughs> we built up all this energy with Chris Rock to, um, for Eddie to be gracious. In, in sort like, of. Uh, sort of. Yeah. Uh, sort of gracious. Um, and then to move on. And it was like, oh, well, that was a, it was nice that we had a segment that was tribute to him, but I almost think him sitting in the audience waving with a camera on him would have been just fine. <laughs> So, Kyle, this is the only time that I'm ever going to say this. So let's all mark it down. Miley Cyrus kicked ass. Oh, my goodness. She is so great. 
No, but honestly, I was so, and as soon as I heard the song that she was playing, I was like, what producer is responsible for this atrocity? I know Paul Simon is in the building. Why are you having this hussy uh, play this song? And then it was a wonderful uh, rendition of it, I thought. 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, the song that she did on the show, if you if you didn't see it. I thought her uh, version was great. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube and Hulu and everything. It, here's the deal. I'll say, not only did I say that she rocked, but I'll say also that she was better then Taylor Swift's contribution to the show, and I am a Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. I've, I have to admit, me, I uh, I just always kind of fast-forward through the music parts. I, I did listen to Paul McCartney. I went that far. And Paul Simon, sure. But I wasn't really interested in all the musical guests. And then even just in a normal episode, I'm like, oh, it's this band that I don't really care about. Okay, here we are. Now back to the comedy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, did you at least listen to Andy Samberg and Adam Sandler's uh, This is the Breaks song? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the, I guess, the new era SNL digital short uh, uh, as sort of created for us by the Lonely Island. And it's usually music related, and that's great, but like it's solid. I enjoy uh, any collaboration between uh, Sandberg and Adam Sandler. I think uh, both of those two together are pretty great. Here's the thing about this song. It actually is not a very good, like this is probably each of their weakest work as far as a parody uh, or a, a funny song goes. But that turns out okay because the whole point of the song is really just for background to you to watch the videos of everybody laughing. Yeah, keeping that in mind this, that this is, this is the best formatted uh, way of doing this particular clip show uh, for just people breaking in. It was fun. They were making fun of certain people. You got to see that. They were wearing weird costumes. Bill Hader stops by. Like, I don't know. It, it's fun. And I kind of wish a lot of the other sort of pre-taped uh, montage segments were were done with a little bit more sort of, of that digital short spice. Uh, that would have been probably a fairly difficult and long task because some of the things didn't make sense you wouldn't do a in memoriam video that's uh pure comedy yes can we hey can can we real quick do our top three favorite moments of the show uh sure sure i'm curious to see where you fall on that let's see my top three favorite moments of this episode celebrity jeopardy the like the arrival of turd ferguson that was uh (laughs) that was pretty fantastic uh, I would say the reveal of Jane Curtin at the desk with the girls for Weekend Update, uh, which, according to Norm MacDonald, was a secret even from most of the members of the show. Like, even he didn't know who was going to do Weekend Update. Right. Uh, so he assumed that that was being kept from everybody. So I think that was interesting. And then I guess probably Martin Short would be the my third biggest moment. Nice. Like his his song and dance was really fantastic. I love the Beyonce character. He interacted <laughs> with her really really well. Nobody plays awkward sexy better than Martin Short. <laughs> I lo- like whenever she was getting blown by the fan and her hair was in the wind and he was doing the physical comedy bit of just sort of having trouble just maintaining his balance. Uh, and fighting just to get back to his point on stage to stand next to her. He went for that segment, and, and I think it really, it, it, not everybody not everybody did <laughs> throughout the course of the evening. Um, and so to see, you know, a big wig, I'll call him a big wig, Martin Short really kind of owned that with Maya Rudolph's uh, Beyonce. That was definitely a lot of fun. Uh, 
I guess my top moments would have to be like I really liked Bill Murray singing the the love theme to Jaws. I'm a I'm a Murray sucker, man. He can read the phone book, and I'm hey, it's a new Bill Murray thing. <laughs> uh, so any chance you got to see him, I was obviously very excited for. You can't not say Celebrity Jeopardy. Like I think it was in my mind, it really was the one solid sketch, even though. It suffered from the, like, pack in another impression, put another celebrity stopping by. But definitely, it ha- that had the big event feel. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think what else. The only other thing I would say is Seinfeld's Q&A. Uh, his, like, w- which was a weird, like, mid-show hosting bit. <laughs> where that was hating. really good. Um, I mean, it's Seinfeld, but he, like, handled it. And, you're, again, instead of just picking random cast members, you're picking celebrities. And they're talking back to you. There is the scale of that sort of jumped up to see Seinfeld sort of really get a chance to, I'm like, oh, and the Larry David bit, like, uh, Larry David's asking if he was actually a writer on the show. I know. Let's, let's just talk about for a second the fact that Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld stood up and just reminded everyone that they are the richest two dudes in television ever. Like, Right, you never, ever have that success again. <laughs> How about that? We're amazing. Isn't that great? Um, but yeah, that was just another, like, I think that was another just shot in the arm that helped uh, bolster you to the next couple of clip shows and segments like that. Overall, like I would say the SNL 40 event, great, uh, had a lot of warm, fuzzy spots for me. Uh, of course, it's sometimes as the uh, the observer, the reviewer, it's very easy to be critical. of. I don't think there was any way that they were going to be able to write a four-hour episode that just kept hitting it out of the park. It did hit it out of the park on a nostalgic level, though. Like every time, I think, even, even seeing Chevy Chase come out... Um, awkwardly after some of the other not so social sounding uh former weekend update hosts are like he's the guy who paved the way here he is <laughs> i what do you what do you, i and norm didn't talk about that specifically in his tweet storm i like in my mind i think there was an argument amongst them about who was actually going to introduce the jerk like i think none of them wanted to do it and so when norm when norm jumped at it early when he was like yeah, I'm going to introduce him in a minute. And they were like, oh, you are now? And he goes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. And he's, you know, and here he is, Jimmy Chase. And, nah, and I mean, <laughs> do you view that as more of him jumping on the grenade? Or do you think that that was, uh, that was more like, oh, I thought I was going to host or pull him out. But if that's you, no, that's fine. That's if it's you, go for it. Definitely. No, I think I think it's jumping on the grenade. I think I think Norm might have hinted that he didn't want to be stuck <laughs> with it at some point. And they were like, "No, you've got to do it." And and he was like, "No, one of you can introduce the a hole." And then in that moment, he 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 said, "You know, look, it's the, we're all here. It's the reunion. Like, be magnanimous. Don't be a blowhard just because somebody else was kind of thing." And he was like, "Yeah, I'm going to introduce him." And I think there was genuine surprise from the rest of the, the crew there. I think they were like, oh, okay, then. All right, we'll do that thing. Seth Meyers definitely did one of those double takes of like, well, uh, <laughs> okay, a guy who was the head writer for so long and he was definitely in charge. But it was like, no, no, uh, it actually would make sense for the more famous, the most famous individual of our little group here to <laughs> introduce him. That would be nice. Like all this happening in that millisecond of like, oh, Go for it. Well, and also, like, the worry, we are on live TV. Like, he can, instead of introducing, he can be like, not only is he the guy who did all these things that we've already said, but also, he's the biggest asshole who's ever been on Saturday Night Live. You know? Oh, yeah. If, like, if anyone would have gone vindictive in the moment, it's like, uh... This is, this is the guy that got fired for the F-bomb, you know? Like, right, right. 
<laughs> so. I love Norm. And then I also love the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff he gave us. I think that was really fun. And he was very humble about it, too. Like, oh, it was just great to be in this room and all these people. And Paul McCartney's just uh, playing over there. And oh, my gosh. Uh. Well, that's that's exactly the way that I feel about it, too, Kyle. But, hey, listen, we've we've already sort of gone long here. Let's, before we wrap up, though, let's sort of give our final thoughts. And, and mine, I'm just going to quote Jane Curtin pretty much from the Weekend Update <laughs> department. This is so much fun, and I don't want it to end. I didn't want it to end. I really, really enjoyed myself watching this. And I honest to goodness, I joked about it earlier with you. You know, I think NBC is going to demand that we now get the 41st anniversary, et cetera, et cetera. But couldn't we bring some sort of this spirit back every year? Couldn't, why don't we do one episode every year where we have a classic cast member uh, come back and is a, you know, sort of a, a highlight, uh, a highlight member of the cast? You know, we do a whole episode where we get a bunch of Mike Myers sketches with the new current cast. I would be down with that. I mean, they still occasionally do those best of DVDs and then they'll air those uh, every every once in a blue moon. Um, and I like going back to see those because there's something about going to see, oh, it's the best of Will Ferrell, volumes one through three. <laughs> like, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's great to sort of be like, okay, if, if this is the only thing I ever saw of Will Ferrell, I'd be like, wow, he was really great on <laughs> SNL. Um, but they, so so the, there's always stuff like that. I mean, it's harder to make an event out of like, oh, yeah, you remember that one guy? We're not doing any new material, but here's his stuff. <laughs> um the one thing that that this like SNL 40 and like the sort of the preamble to this event was that they had released that app, which was, uh, I think, sort of ingenious. You were able to go back and sort of view, I won't say every sketch, but uh, they certainly pushed uh, a lot of uh, very popular ones. You've now put sketches, even five and six minute sketches, into a bite size one off select it, watch it, expose people to the history who might not have already been exposed to it. Yes. And I think they're going to keep the app around. I, I, I really like that. To me, too, it's hard for me to go sit down and watch a classic episode of SNL or even watch a modern episode of SNL sometimes. Not enough hours in the day, but if I can pull that up on my phone and, and watch half a dozen clips, sometimes going down the rabbit hole, but now in a very specified SNL path, that that's going to help expose the history to uh, the next uh, new fans of SNL or even people who are fans now that are now just finally getting an appreciation for the 40 years of history that have come before. Perfect. Perfect, perfect button for this episode. Sounds good. Kyle, I sure do appreciate you talking to us about it uh, this week and we'll have you back on again uh, sometime soon. This time, truthfully, we will talk about Star Trek the next time that you and I talk. My hope is that we keep putting off Star Trek for one like minor reason or another, and maybe we'll finally get to talk about the movie when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. We'll be like, boy, we had a lot of plans. Remember all those speculations we had, Kyle? It's the series finale of uh, Me and the Geek. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it's going to be our Star Trek episode. It'll be three minutes long. Um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna it be was, a lot of fun. It's just the two of us going. It was pretty good. Turns <laughs> out, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, thanks again for talking to us, and we'll have you back on soon. Sounds good. Hey, remind everybody where they can find you online. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter at Kyle is Funny. Uh, and then uh, if you're in the Austin area, please come out and see me. I'm uh, My improv group, Movie Riot, uh, performs weekly Friday night, 7 p.m. at the Cold Town Theater. We perform improvised movies. It's a lot of fun, and it is totally not lame. 
People have said it's the best live uh, experience that they've ever seen after SNL. So I don't know. Who am I to argue with that? <laughs> Look at that. A sounding re- uh, endorsement, sir. All right, man. Thank you. No problem, man. Take it easy. Great stuff from Kyle Sweeney, as always. Uh, you Don't forget, you can find him online at Twitter and Vine, especially at Kyle is Funny. Uh, thanks again to Kyle for joining us this week. Next week, we're going to be joined by uh, one of my good buddies, Professor Shy Guy. He's also known as Brant Cooley. He's a, uh, a musician, and he's going to be performing at PAX East coming up very, very soon. And we want to talk to him about that and uh, his music in general. We're also going to be talking about nerdcore music given him uh, to give us a little peek into that world specifically. I want to say a big thank you before I wrap up this episode to the uh, creators of our theme song. It's In Demand, and that's from The Word Modern. You can find links in our show notes every week on how you can get the rest of that album and more stuff from them. Very, very cool uh, music. So join us next week for another episode of Me and the Geek. Until then, I've been me. That's Joel Sharpton. You can find me at The Rogue's Life on Twitter. Uh, This week's geek was Kyle Sweeney, and this has been the podcast. One, two, three, four. Me and the Geek is a proud member of the ProCast Network, a ProCreate production. ProCreate is a community of artists in film, music, the digital arts, and fine arts that helps them connect and collaborate on projects. You can find out more at teamprocreate.com. Also, be sure to check out one of our other great shows like Pod on Pod, a weekly review of a different podcast to help you find your new favorite show. Josh and Joel are your hosts as they walk through the wide world of podcasting from comedy to self-help. Josh and Joel listen to it all so you don't have to. These fingers crossed paprika burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my paprika burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Well? Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food Love Stories, brought to you by Tesco. Hello? Hi, it's Helen from the Dry Cleaners here. We found something in the pocket of the trousers you brought in. Oh, really? What was it? Another pair of trousers. Oh, how'd that happen? Like getting your money's worth? Enjoy the delicious spicy chicken snack wrap. Just one forty-nine from the McDonald's Saver menu. Served after 10.30am, except in selected restaurants, which will serve this from 11am. Price and participation may vary.